It's Wednesday, April 30th, 2019, and you're listening to episode 513 of Fear the Boot, a show about tabletop role-playing games and a little bit more. Running time for this episode is one hour and six minutes. Welcome to Fear the Boot. My name is Dan. This is Caleb. My name's Chad. And this is again, and still Brodor. So we had to do a second take because we were trying to do an announcement and then ended up in an internal disagreement about the nature of the announcement. And now Caleb's bleeding and Brodor has a broken finger. But it's true. But I didn't realize he could slam his butthole that that hard. Well, it was the speed of it just was super slow. You know... (laughs) So speak. I'm going I'm to regret. Seriously. Like, it's not just a break either. The bone is splintered. Yes. I mean, it's fragments. It's practically powder inside the skin. So I'm going to regret mentioning this in front of Brodor because I don't know where this is going to go. But Oh, you know where it's going to go. All right. So being divorced now for quite a while, at least in my mind. I've been on a couple of dating sites. Not doing, you know, nothing serious. I don't like have a new fiance or something. But you know, seeing what's out there. Yes, I am pregnant, expecting a child. Me personally, not right. No, yeah, but chicks are sending you videos of them masturbating. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know all all those. There's nothing hotter. Yeah, you you know nothing attracts women quite like being a tabletop role playing game podcaster and computer nerd. I've seen some weird things in profiles. And it wasn't the weirdest I've seen, but I was reading one today where a woman was talking about her various disabilities, which is okay, fine, whatever. You can't help those. Except one where she was talking about how her finger is like permanently messed up because she broke it by sitting on it. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't know what the story. By sitting on it, she means she had the shower head at just the right angle. And she thought, she's like, I don't have a prostate, but I'm going to try this anal thing. And then she slips on on her soapy feet. That's what happened. I know. Exactly. I knew where this was going to go. Well, and it doesn't help that she's got like 60 or 70 extra pounds but <laughs> you knew i know i see and what actually happened in real life that's every episode was i just swiped left which is not just a tender thing by the way so I'm, I'm not on tender but I, I just swiped left it's like i don't even want to know I, but i fear brodor has his own internal canon for what occurred here <laughs> oh no it's 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 a whole thing there's a video going on there there's 10,000 words written in yeah, my mind yeah, in my yeah. brain story the, 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 <laughs> all right no uh, all right so we're going to talk about one <laughs> announcement and then we're going to get into our topics so the one announcement is fear the con 11 and a half which is our online convention we asked you guys to get out there and Express uh, interest boot. or, mm-hmm. yeah, and talk about whether you're not interested, interested, whatever. And then there was a poll put out on when it was going to occur. And the con is now set for Friday, June 21st and Saturday, June 22nd. Yep. Caleb, is that correct? Yep. Zylo's been pretty good about putting that out and getting some con announcements on the uh, Discord. And he's uh, put together some of the con planner stuff. We're just ready to, re- I think we're going to release that this Friday. Okay. So opening up by the time this drops. So we record a week in advance. So yep. it is wholly possible that by the time this episode drops on our general feed, not the pre-release on the mm-hmm. Patreon feed, but on the general feed, there may actually already be a con planner mm-hmm. site for it. So be sure to check the show notes for a link to that. 
And if it's not with this show, it will be, I presume, with the next show. So if you want to get out there and create a game or sign up for a game, and I have committed that I will run at least one Transformers game. Yep. I believe it'll be called Fear the Con Line instead of 11.5, just because okay. we're not going to, we're just kind of going to keep it separate from the standard con numbering system. Yeah. Because there may be a chance that this may happen next year at the same time Fear the Con is going on so that those then who can't you do, make Fear it. Fear the Con 11 and two thirds. Yeah, or, that's what I'm yeah. saying. So that you have a Fear of the Con line next year potentially if well, this goes well. We can have like a mirror. Yeah. And, yeah. We yeah. can have an online con that's like a mirror universe sort of yeah. thing. <laughs> Shadow so we, Con. Yeah, Shadow Con. So we have like Fear the Con 12 or 13 or whatever it ends up being. And then we have Fear the Con. Let's say it's just as 12. So Fear the Con 12 and then Fear the Con 12 shadow con that yeah. occurs online but we're super edgy and we spell it like k-h-a-n and, yeah and the yeah. shadow is like alternating caps we playing and Star lower Trek and, games? Mm-hmm. and then a zero for There's the an umlaut yes somewhere in there <laughs> and yeah we just dig through the ascii and ansi tables to find weird characters to so i i dings i hate yes. online gaming i find it anathema however i will do because i i mean i have to work that weekend because I didn't take it off because of not going to Fear the Con. But what I will do is I'll have an event where I will just be drinking at home and online. And you can ask See, ask Brodo or anything. You can work all weekend. <laughs> but there will be plenty. You can play. Brodo. You can do it at morning game, at evening yeah. game, no, no. night game. Okay, no, so no, will you, not will you sign up for a slot? Or if they create a slot late enough that it's after you getting off work. Will you accept a slot where it's just ask Brodor and just people come to you? AMA? Yeah. Yeah, sure. It's just Brodor style. And if necessary, What's I can true? even get back out the Ghostbuster couple wavy line <laughs> psychic cards like we did on that negative episode. And you can do predictions and then right. tell people their fortune. I'll do it. I'll do it. I will tell you your fortune. You, that will you be my event. Slot. Okay. Yeah, you need yeah. the slot. Yeah. We'll put so you in there. I'll worry. have the psychic cards. From Ghostbusters, we'll get you a deck of tarot cards, and you can just like answer people's questions. Sure, I'll do that based on whatever you think. <laughs> and so people can come for Brodorian wisdom. <laughs> Brodorian, the Brodorites. <laughs> yes, we'll have to put big flags on that channel. Yeah, don't. Sure. Yeah, don't be. Don't be in that channel. Don't <laughs> be in that channel with your kids. You'll for, be labeled. It'll be clearly labeled <laughs> Brodor's channel for entertainment purposes only. 21 and up, not legal at all in Europe. Not safe mm-hmm. for work. Yeah. Yeah. So, not all right. safe for Earth. <laughs> and SFL. <laughs> so let's talk role-playing games here. There is something that crossed my mind during one of our recent games that has a very strong parallel in TV shows in particular. To a lesser extent, novels and movies but I see it in TV shows all the time, which is the B plot. All right. So Star Trek does these a lot. Every single episode of Star Trek has an A plot and a B plot. Yeah. And so let's say the A plot of... Are you being facetious or is that part of the formula? That's part of the formula. No, that's part of the formula. I've been rewatching Next Generation. Yeah. Absolutely. Especially Next Gen. So more than any other. The A plot is, for example, and I'm just making something up, that there's a standoff between the Enterprise and a Romulan ship, and they're trying to resolve that, and there's some mystery surrounding a space entity or whatever, and that's the A-plot. That's primarily what the episode is about. But then there is a B-plot of data learning to whistle, 
which is not what the show is about, but it's what they go back to here and there throughout the show. The Simpsons do it all the time. Family Guy does it all the time. The Boondocks did it a bunch. I mean, a lot of TV shows do this where there is a primary plot, but then there are these unrelated plots and character moments that are developing in the background. And in our recent role-playing games, like role-playing game sessions, I noticed that we actually had a bunch of these B-plots going. As an example, and this is far from the only one, both far from the only one recently and far from the only one in general, but in our Skies of Glass game, we had a a plot where the main issue was the standoff between Cape Girardeau and a St. Louis-backed army and an army from the South, and the people that are involved in that, the major players that are involved in that, and trying to get different folks to sign on to one side or the other and figuring out who the player characters are going to side with. Are they going to side with the Southern Army or the St. Louis Army or neither army or whatever and all that stuff. But throughout that whole thing, there's this B-plot running. And actually, there was many B-plots running. One of them was about Eric's character and him trying to figure out how to rehabilitate his wife and the interactions he's having with his uncle. There was another one, Broder, about your character and a little kid who's kind of developed a first crush on her, despite the fact that there's like a decade or more of age difference there. And it's created, you know, certainly some social difficulties and whatever. But there are all these B-plots going on. And as I started thinking about that, the reason that I put them in there was to avoid anyone having downtime. And I think if you're a game master, this is the first and biggest value of it is the B plots allow you to spread the spotlight. So if the main A plot is stopping the evil wizard from summoning the undead dragon to take over the world and bring about his whatever apocalypse, and let's say there's only one person who at the moment is in the middle of that plot, but you don't want to ignore everybody else. Well, you could dig up things from their background like, well, Caleb's parents live in this town. And so we're going to do some inner family drama there mm-hmm. or whatever. That has nothing to do with the wizard summoning the Draco lick to destroy the world. What are you talking about? My parents are always dead, but I don't have any ties to this world. They're the necromancers. <laughs> That's right. Yes. Ooh. Every player character's parents are dead for some reason, or there's horrible family dysfunction where either the parents are dead or they're as good as dead to you. Yeah. You sworn them off long ago. But let's just say you're that one weird character who actually has a healthy set of family right, relationships. Right. And this allows me to involve you in that. Mm-hmm. But something else that I noticed that was not my intention in doing it, because my intention was just to make sure that as I went around the table and said, Broder, what are you doing? Chad, what are you doing? Eric, what are you doing? Brandon, Wayne, blah, blah, blah. But that was my original intention. But what I found was happening was this was doing a lot to develop the characters, to build player-to-player character investment, to strengthen the NPCs, to make them more interesting, to create more complexity to the world. I I guess it's recent enough I shouldn't spoil exactly what happened there with Brodor and his budding romance, but 
I mean, there were some complex social things that were going on there that are likely to have some kind of repercussion, or at least could, could come up again. I mean, maybe they won't, but they could come up again in the future. So the, the thing that was important to me in, well, I should say, let me rephrase that. The thing that's important to me about B-plot in any game, but particularly resonated in this game, is that in a television show or a film or a book, you may have an ensemble cast, but you have that character that mm -hmm. each audience member really gravitates to and really focuses on that character. In a role-playing game, we are an ensemble cast, right? But when it's my B plot, I get to be the main character. Yeah. When it's Gil's B plot, Gil gets to be the main character that becomes the A plot for me as the audience yes. member and as the participant. So those there, I mean, I don't get emotional at role playing games, but there have been a couple times in the Skies of Glass game where I've become, you know, a little bit moist in the eyes. That's right. I said moist in the uh, eye. And you the also eye. said eyes. That's the bigger shock. Yeah. So, <laughs> but, but I've gotten emotional because it is hard in that particular scene when Marlene goes back to the house because she's an idiot and forgot to give the one thing to Dr. Martin that she really hmm. thought was important to give to Dr. Martin. And then Dr. Martin just lays out reality for her. It was too much. It's too hard because that character being real is the last thing that she wants to do. She wants to escape and disassociate and not be part of it because it is all so awful. Yeah. And that was hard. That was really, really difficult, but it, it made the game as, as egocentric and selfish as this sounds. It made the game mine yeah. for that time. The story of the world is in the monolithic plots. The story of the characters are in the in-between stories. You can't be 100% focused on the monolithic plot 100% of the time. I mean, you can. There's plenty of stories, games, movies, whatever that do that. But they don't have a lot of personality to them. Uh, the characters might not have a lot of personality. They're, they're people doing things, and the thing that they're doing is the one thing. And the one thing might be really cool, but that's really about it. So the B-plots are really good because it brings out the characters. It, Like you said, it, it, it expands them. It makes them interesting. It tells that kind of story that that's how you bring out the characters is through these B-plots, these these in-between stories. Like you're saying, it, it it's where the individual becomes the main character, at least for a few moments, or maybe a couple of characters become the main character for a few moments. And I think that these games need to be filled with tons of B-plots, and the vast majority of them shouldn't really be initiated by the Game Master. Yeah. The Game Master should facilitate them, make the opportunities there. But in that sort of marketplace of ideas, yeah. it, because it's such about Brodor and about Marlene, who's your character, it's about you latching onto that NPC and driving that narrative. Because Marlene cares about that kid. Yeah. Well, which she did. She really does. Right. Mm -hmm. When I put that plot out there, there was the option of a plot. There was an opportunity right. of plot. This kid exists. But the fact that Brodor's character went to visit him was his idea. Mm -hmm. The fact that Brodor's character chose to invite him along for this motorcycle ride yeah. was his idea. This was not mine. I mean, I enabled this. I allowed there to be pavement there. 
But this is not some direction where I pointed the car and pushed it on its back end to get it rolling. I mean, this was certainly not a railroad. You know, and I guess, Broder, you hit on an important point, which is you have to think of role-playing games not as passive entertainment because they're not. A TV show is absolutely passive entertainment. There is, as far as you are concerned, there is only one audience member for any form of passive entertainment, which is you. Either you enjoy what you're being shown or you don't. But let's take this for a moment from a different perspective. Let's go back to Star Trek and say there's an A plot where there's a big standoff with the Romulans because of confusion created by some space entity. But then Data's learning how to whistle. Well, if you're the actor that plays Data, Brent Spiner, guess which plot you care a lot more about? Guess which plot you're thinking more about? Guess which plot you're rehearsing the lines for? Because Brent Spiner, unlike the audience, is an active participant in that entertainment. And the same is true of a role-playing game. I mean, there might be scenes or there might be moments where somebody else is in the spotlight and being mature adults, we accept that we are consuming their moment. But the game overall, there should not be any passive consumers at the table. And so that moment in the spotlight is absolutely yours. And that may, in many ways, become more important to you than the A game. What I really think is important here, and if we start with the Game Master's perspective, I think it first begins with having a world that's developed enough to allow that, having characters whose motivations are complex enough to allow that. The fact that this kid is latching on to Brodor's character as the first, I mean, really, I guess one of the few people in general he socialized with, certainly the first female he socialized with in any meaningful way, that's my invention. That is something I created as part of the game world. And I gave you an opportunity to interact with that. I didn't take them off the table. I didn't shove them down your throat, but they were in town. And when you asked if they were available, I made them available. And that marketplace of ideas, you walked out with your $10 bill and said, I want to buy this. And I said, it's for sale. All right. So that was on the table. But from your perspective, the player's perspective, you have to have a character that's at least interesting enough to have those motivations apart from a, a myopic focus on the Draco Lich and be able to see these other aspects of your character, the other things they care about in life that are not always super meaningful to anyone but themselves. The ability to learn to whistle or how they handle the fact that they don't want to break somebody's heart or the concern they have for their aging parents, or whatever it may be to your character. And on top of that, your willingness to at least shop in that marketplace of ideas. And I don't think it's incumbent upon the players to buy into every idea. Mm-hmm. If it was, it wouldn't be a marketplace. This would be a Soviet bread line. Right. <laughs> and that's not... You come for bread and plot. <laughs> Wait many hours for bread. Well, By the time you come to line, we have no more plot left for you, Chad. <laughs> and, and we're not playing Papers, Please, the role-playing right. game. You know, and so... <laughs> it's. <laughs> I think counter to that, too, is there's some things that are incumbent upon the game master here. Let's take this SOG game, for example. We are in a town... The town is under siege. The monolithic plot, the A plot, the big giant plot, is uh, it's probably going to be a bit of a battle. 
and that our characters are going to be involved in it. In fact, mm. our characters are probably going to be run. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> but our our characters are potentially going to be a major mover and shaker in this battle. I mean, this is a pretty big A plot here. So going into this situation, Dan has the ability to say, okay, they have two choices. They can learn to whistle and break a young boy's heart and go have the first home-cooked meal that two characters have ever had in their literal lives, or they can prepare for the coming fight. And we didn't prepare for the coming fight. We had home-cooked meals. We broke a boy's heart. We did all of that stuff. We we visited with our children. We talked to people like old friends. We comforted our hurt wife. We did these things. Now Dan has the opportunity to say, they didn't do anything to prepare. They're going to get he has to he has to balance this in his mind with because if he is saying I don't know what he's saying but if he says this in his mind he is correct he is one hundred percent correct and Saga is a very realistic and very down and dirty game and we could be totally screwed because we wasted our time with stuff like that Dan also has the other balancer of if I punish them for expanding their characters adding content mm-hmm. to the game creating all these NPC situations it would be realistic for me to whack them over the head in this situation because they didn't prepare, but it would also potentially make them not do that in the future. It might make them more gun-shy when they go into a town and they see a situation brewing, say, you know what? Screw my wife, screw my kids, screw these people, screw home-cooked meals. Where the hell is the gun store? And well, you got to balance these things. You, bringing it back to the whole Star Trek concept idea of the plot line, the A, a line, the B line, you also have, technically, I wouldn't consider the battle between the two major factions here of SOG your A line or B line. That's actually an overarching plot, like the Romulan War or right. whatever, right? This is a higher level stuff. Yes, you guys are involved with it. You're a major player in that battle, but you got an A plot and a B plot of an episode. Mm. Because you have to think about it that way. Because you have, you have your A plot of your episode is you're getting into this town. I haven't heard the whole story for this current episode because <laughs> it hasn't been released yet, but... You're going into this town. You're going. I assume you went back to Cape. That's the A plot. We're going into Cape. It doesn't is a whole lot of major plot there, but you're you're going to Cape. Your B plots are your side things where you're dealing with like the the love story and the you know seeing friends and stuff. You're almost needing a breather episode because you've had chaos upon chaos. This was a perfect time for a breather episode mm. to have some real stop, take a deep breath before anything big big happens. You don't have to be going to the battle with Cape versus the Southern Army or versus St. Louis or anything like that. You guys could technically bounce, and that plot line will still continue. Mm-hmm. So that, yes, you could choose to be a part of that. What's really neat about this is it gives you a reason to care about right. St. Louis, to care about Cape, to care about all these other heart ties mm-hmm. that pull you into the city. Because you guys could, theoretically, why would you want to stay? Why? <sighs> You know, other than because the kids has gotten under Marlene's, <laughs> but, but that's a B plot. Yeah. But and then, family yeah. is important. That, that's that's and, the A plot is about yeah. two factions at war. Yeah, that's what you just described. Is while not one of the B yeah. plots that was game master spun. Right. It is a player to player B plot. Well, yeah. and just a bit behind the 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 Marlene curtain. I mean, Marlene is very much pro, let's go talk to the Ists and get 
Jack's daughter back because it gets us out of Cape. And that feels more dangerous than going to the friendist. <laughs> so wherever there is less danger, that's the direction well, I want to go. Again, that's what my point is that you don't care about anything yeah. to do with Cape. Now you kind of do. Yeah. Because there are yeah. things now that right. tie you to a, to an area that give you a reason to care. Leaving. Yeah, it's true. But I, right. Dr. Martin's a f***ing prick. But <laughs> I do know he's a perfectly nice man and he cares about his son or his grandson. And that makes him a decent man. And God, I hate you guys. <laughs> <laughs> but you what get, you get where I'm that The game when you flicked him off, it's like he didn't do anything <laughs> to you. Oh, no, no. Like, he hurt my feelings. Yeah, so yeah. That's yeah. By making did. you deal with your own guilt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you, yeah, you know Marlene's a <laughs> you know, little petty sometimes. So I had a, okay. <laughs> my brother-in-law Adam, my, my little sister Christina's wife or husband. Excuse me. Let's try that again. No, no, <laughs> you, you have right. Okay. <laughs> so I was talking to Adam, and he and I were having a conversation about how the players in this game were such freaking sociopaths. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, one of the things that I think shaped my view of storytelling so much is the fact that when I was, I say growing up, but when, I, I guess I don't mean just growing up, childhood, teens, even my 20s, when I was really finding my feet as a storyteller, I did read some genre fiction. I mean, <gasps> yeah, I mean, if you look at the shelves next to you, you can see Robotech and Battletech and Chronicles of Narnia and all, I mean, not a huge amount, but there was some genre fiction over there. But one of the things that I was into probably even more than genre fiction was actual history. And if you are not familiar with the Ken Burns documentary, let me go ahead and pause right here and say you are familiar with the Ken Burns documentary. You just didn't know it was a Ken Burns documentary. If you have ever in school or on TV watched the sort of slow storytelling documentary, let's just say about, I don't know, World War II or the American Civil War or whatever. And every so often it breaks in with like, my dearest Adelaide, hmm. here we are on the fourth day of our time at the front line near the Somme. I doubt I shall see tomorrow. Probably not. The people around me are morose, but Lieutenant so-and-so holds out hope, believing that blah, blah, blah is coming in. He also holds out a gun and a whistle. Your most <laughs> beloved... So and so, and then you hear the narrator cut in and say, Three days later, Private Dick Munch died. <laughs> That's a Ken Burns documentary. Yeah. Okay, I would lay money that almost ev- Richard Munch. <laughs> I would <laughs> I would lay money that almost everyone listening to the show even if you don't know that's what it is, has probably listened to a Ken Burns documentary. Now, as quick as I am to make fun of them, one of the things that the Ken Burns documentary does really well is it shows you what this looks like from the human level. That instead of just big Mm -hmm. set pieces on a battlefield with diagrams of this group got moved here and then this group came up this way and then this happened, you actually hear what it was like from the perspective of an individual and their story that Mm -hmm. was unfolding within that war and about how they were friends with so-and-so and and they were in love with so-and-so and and they wanted to marry so-and-so and and they were separated from such and such child and they ran into some kid in the 
French village they just passed through, who inspired them for some reason. And there are all these stories that figure into who they are and what's going on Mm -hmm. at that moment. And the great plot, you know, the big plot, World War I, World War II, the American Civil War, it's a gestalt. It is a summary of all the individual motivations of all these soldiers and generals and political leaders and whatever converging into this moment of history. And I think the B-plot in a role-playing game is a way of looking at that backwards. It's a way of unpacking that. That, mm-hmm. yes, there's an evil wizard who's about to summon the Dracolich, who's about to do such and such. By the way, I've been just changing up my pronunciation of that, so everyone's favorite pronunciation should be in this episode somewhere. <laughs> but, you know, they're about to summon the, this undead dragon, Okay, just in case you've been satisfied with none of my pronunciations. And... That's a big deal, and that's great and all, but the people that are there in that moment still got there somehow. The evil wizard has a story. The adventurers trying to stop the evil wizard have a story. The townspeople caught in the middle have a story. Mm -hmm. And these B-plots give you a great opportunity to unpack what those stories are because, I mean, truth be told, you can look at something like the Christmas Truce, which for anyone who's not familiar with it, in the middle of World War One, right around Christmas, one particular year, the British and the Germans came out of their trenches and crossed over into a place where on any other day of the year, you'd have been killed for popping your head over that trench. And they came out and they swapped gifts and they actually played a soccer slash football game. The Germans won three to two for anyone that cares. And they had this beautiful moment before the officers forced them to get back in the trenches for fear that they would start caring about each other enough and humanizing each other enough that when Christmas was over, they would refuse to fight. But that's what these individuals are. You know, that's what's really occurring here. And that's what they care about. I mean, do they care about king and country? Do they care about the battle lines? Yeah, I'm sure they did. Were there patriots in there? I'm sure there were. You know, was there a clash of ideologies? Yes, there was. But there was still this human story that probably to the individual, at least some individuals, was more important than what, looking through the history books, we would call the A-plot. And I think you are robbing your game of something if you don't at least give your players the opportunity to explore those B plots. How do you encourage those B plots? Well, that's a, I would, that's a good start. So I would look at two things. There are two places I would start. One is look at the background and personality that they have presented. Mm-hmm. Now, maybe that's what they've done in game. Maybe that's what they handed you on paper prior to the game, but somewhere in that social contract, somewhere in that unveiling of the arc of the game, they have told you, that they care about certain things. This was not the first game where Marlene and Peyton interacted with each other. All right, so I already knew there was some kind of connection there. This is not the first game where Marlene's complexity of emotion, particularly in terms of building social bonds, has been dealt with. So one thing I would say is pay attention. Pay attention to what your players are telling you. The second thing that I would say is going back to the phrase Chad's been using a lot over the recent episodes, is look at that marketplace of ideas. 
you're like a fisherman. You can't choose what the fish will buy it at. Right. All you can do is put something on the hook, dangle it in the water, see if they bite. And if they do, you pull. If they don't, you move on. Mm-hmm. And if Brodor had shown no interest in Peyton, I would have wrapped that plot up and moved on to something else. Let me give you an example from that very game. There was a point where Chad's character, Gil, and Brandon's character, Dr. Poe, went to seek out a baker. Mm-hmm. A baker from the first Skies of Glass campaign that was Wayne's very first role-playing game mm-hmm. back, I couldn't even tell you what year, 2008 or nine or something. And in that game, there was an NPC who they called the Muffin Lady, who lived next door to the abandoned Jiffy Lube that they had converted into their lair, their base <laughs> of operations, that they were running their wannabe mercenary corps out. These were all like... Wannabe? Screw you, man. <laughs> these, these, a, it was a bunch of like teenagers, like 17 to 19-year-olds or whatever. And there was this muffin lady who's kind of like the group mom. And she ran a bakery. She's a widow. Her husband died. I don't remember from what. And she was running this store next to them. And when Chad and Brandon told me that their characters were going to go there, I described for them the Jiffy Lube right next door, which by this point, the players from that many, many years ago game have long abandoned, but it is filled with money. Lots of money. Lots of money. Equipment. Yep. Powerful equipment. Plot information both about the world plot and also about the local entry within Cape Girardeau. Mm -hmm. And I put that there in front of them. But I also gave the same amount of detail to describing the muffin lady sitting in front of her house with the scent of her baked goods coming out and the crochet she was working on. And I gave both the same amount of detail. I didn't play up or down either. And there was part of me that was thinking, surely at the metagame player level, they're going to opt to go into the Jiffy Lube and ransack it. Right. I even described to them that there was a window that was busted open from what we're calling the A campaign, the, the first campaign, not, not the one 10 years ago, but the one of the current Skies of Glass run where Wayne's more recent character busted out a window to get in there to steal some stuff easy point of entry they showed no interest none instead Why would we <laughs> they wanted to go to the bakery yeah and so that's where i focused my energy is you, yeah you ended up splitting the party at one point there because somebody wanted to go over to one place and one went to the other if i remember oh right. in this particular game they were like in three or four places yeah that's right but that's right it was i first of all i looked at what they were interested in they expressed interest in the muffin lady i didn't demand they do this this was something that they said they, when I said, what are you guys doing with your time? There's any number of things they could have told me, some of which were very obvious. We're going to go to where the A plot is, which at that point was unfolding around a particular shop right along the riverfront, right by the people that were making decisions about the coming war. Okay, that's right where the main plot was. And they could have said, we're going to chase that. Obvious A plot right there. I could not put any more cheese in this trap. But they said, no, we want to talk to the muffin lady. All right, so demonstrated interest, going back to my first point. I picked up on that, okay? I wasn't completely dense. I picked up on that demonstrated interest. But then the second thing is I gave them a marketplace of ideas. When they went over there, I said, you know, here's a couple things going on. 
We talked about this some episodes back when I talked about one of the things I love about how Ryan Frederick runs games, where he gives you the freedom to role play whatever you want. But if you're stuck, there's these Infocom game style switches where you go. So you walk into a room and per a role playing game, you can do whatever you want. But in the descriptive text, I'm going to tell you, oh, there's a dresser with its drawers closed. There's an old woman who is giving you the side eye and there's a door you've not been through to the south. Obvious levers to pull and buttons to push. Right. But I'm not stopping you from picking some fourth option if you decide that you want to start tearing up the carpet for some reason. But, you know, that's what occurred there is I laid out in front of them. Here's the muffin lady. Here's the jiffy loop. Here's some obvious buttons to push and levers to pull. Now, what you do is up to you. But I didn't hem them in. And when they said, we're going to the muffin lady, it's like, okay, marketplace of ideas. They want the halibut. I have to explain now why the halibut's better than the tuna. (laughs) Yep. And I don't know why the Pike's Place fish market comes to mind. (laughs) That's what came to mind. (laughs) And so that's what I went with is, okay, I have to. And fortunately, I still had my game notes from that game 10 years ago. And so I'm like, well, what were her personality quirks and motivations and what is her backstory and whatever? Mm -hmm. And it wasn't these huge, long paragraphs and paragraphs. It's just a couple sentences that helped me peg the archetype or God forbid, even stereotype of person that she was, Mm -hmm. which gave them something to latch on to and interact with. And their investment in that, that came from two things. One was player choice and the other was player character development. Mm -hmm. Player choice to say, I care about this, and player characters that are developed enough to have room to care about that, to actually care about something more than shooting the other side that actually would see a value. I mean, the fact that this is the first home-cooked meal you've ever had. Mm -hmm. They grew up on a space station. Yeah, I mean... mean, They've only had microwaved food. And then when they came down, they lived off of MREs, and then maybe heated meat you know meat yeah. that you just cook on one side yeah. and eat this and is one of the few non-rehydrated meals right. you've ever had and and we ate ourselves into a coma yeah and i didn't dictate that to them that was something that they came to the table already sufficiently developed enough to know on their own and so i would certainly say to some extent look the b plots don't work if the player characters aren't invested mm. you can't have a b plot about data learning to whistle if you've not established already that a data doesn't know how to whistle and B data would actually care about learning to whistle all the while the Romulans are outside ready to blast you. Yeah, precisely. You you can't as a game master force feed those things onto the players, which is why I'm proud of them. If proud is the right word to say that, you know, I dangled this mm-hmm. loot filled information filled Jiffy lube in front of them and they didn't touch it. Right. One of the things I liked about how uh, Star Trek does the A-plot, B-plot stuff is about, not every time, quite often, though, they'll throw the B-plot will affect the A-plot in very straightforward way. will create, so they'll tie it back together. So not just like, oh, here's Data learning how to whistle, but it'll be very important that Data learn to whistle for this episode because it'll affect how they solve the, the A-plot. Sure. In that episode. And so I always try to look at that when I'm looking at B plots, just not, okay, there's a B plot, it's over here, and then we ignore it. But I try to find ways when I can, not all the time, because if 
then it becomes a you know well, tedious work. It, well, and when you do that, I mean that that's cool because you can you can tie it in. House, the TV show, did this a yeah. lot, where mm-hmm. you know they have the big disease, they don't know what it is, people are dying, and then there's a B plot where House is in the clinic, and there's a little girl who has a sniffle, and then it's boom, oh, that's the answer right there, and it ties in. It's really easy to make that contrived though, especially right. when you know it's so player driven. Like if Dan did this with the muffin lady and Gil and uh, Dr. Poe and they go in there and there's this big war about to happen. And the hint here, he's like, how am I going to tie this in? Like you said, the Jiffy Lube next door had the guns, the money and the plot right in there. They walked by it. They went into the bakery. What do I do with that? If you have the mind to combine those, like you're saying, you know, right. in, in a house show or, or Star Trek or something, to make it relevant to the main plot, you really got to jump through some hoops where it's like, okay, now suddenly the lady is working for the other side and they get a hint that their her basement is filled with rations for the coming army. And well, it's, and, and uh, st- stepping back there, I'm, I'm not saying that it has to be a positive spin, right? It could be a complication. Mm-hmm. It could be the fact that you've met this lady and you've spent so much time here has now affected the fact that there's something else going on outside that you right. missed. Or she points you in the direction of the Jiffy Lube because she says, oh, yeah, these boys used to live next door and they've been gone for so many years, blah, 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 blah. And she points you in the direction. It doesn't have to be a contrived, like, mega plot, but it it could just be a complication or a small little It's cool if you can do it. It's just that there's a danger that it can become contrived. And also the danger of one of my earlier points, too, of they didn't bite. You know, they didn't go to the Jiffy Lube. They didn't get the thing. So now they're Hey, oh. oh, hey, they had muffins and role play, but now they're going to get yeah, well, Okay, yeah, and that is a fair point. Yeah. You cannot screw people for pursuing the B-plot. No, no, right. and I'm not saying that. I was saying is that it can be, it's not a guaranteed every time. You shouldn't no, ever, sure. shouldn't do that every time. Yeah. You shouldn't be tying every B-plot into the main plot. But when it feels right and it feels like mm-hmm. you could fit it, it's a very easy way to pull that in and make it so it's not just feeling like you've spent this time having, it's good to have those good conversations right. and have great uh, character role play. But it's also good that you can continue to maintain the main plot A mm-hmm. and keep it moving just a little bit, even if it slows down, which yeah. is okay. Yeah, and this is this is tangential to the main point of the episode, but something that Dan does really well that is an an example of good game mastering is is that there is a give and take. It was obvious in that situation that what Chad and Brandon wanted was Mm -hmm. to have a moment of normalcy. They wanted, and to have an experience that they hadn't had and just to, just to be people in that moment. Mm -hmm. And Dan's really good about, as he said, listening to his players, Mm -hmm. recognizing that moment, giving the players what they want, but then being able to communicate to us Mm -hmm. what he as the game master and the story want and so there's Absolutely. a i mean it's it's really it's an example of good communication because it, it really is a, a two-way street of communicating mm-hmm. i want this you want that let's give each other mm-hmm. you know let's let's yeah. find that compromise and it, it is a balance i know that i've brought up a couple of times of the game master shouldn't punish people for role-playing but there is another side of that too of what well, let's go back to this size of glass example the town is under siege we didn't do crap to prepare because we were chasing muffins well, gonna, and, and all that stuff. We're going we're gonna to leave. It's, it's all good. <laughs> right. So, I mean, Marlene's going to leave on that bike. But 
the question comes in for the game master here. Do you punishes the wrong word, but you know, where do you, do you illustrate consequence? Yeah. Yeah, you do. Yeah. Yeah. How Mm -hmm. far do you bend reality to not punish them because you want them to continue doing this and you just don't want to destroy them. Let me, let me talk to Caleb's point because he was talking about and Star Trek, the way the B plots sometimes tied back to the A plots. Mm -hmm. Now this is a, a fictitious example. There was no such episode, but let's go back to, the Romulans are threatening the Enterprise. Data learns to whistle, and somehow data learning to whistle <laughs> saves the Enterprise. Okay, nonsense, but let's just say that that was that's, an episode. That's Star Trek. <laughs> let, let, I bet there's one in there that is pretty damn close. To there, there, there is one that I'm thinking of that's close, but not quite. It has to do with a kid, but yeah. I think yeah. it's with Wesley or something Something stupid. Goddamn Wesley. <laughs> let's just say for a moment that was the case. All right, so what I can do in, in our current game the city is about to have a major battle, probably. Now, right. things that you guys do or don't do could change that, but it is most likely, if we just continue along the current trajectory, it's going to end up in a very big, very violent military conflict, and probably that's going to occur within game in a matter of hours. All right. On the one hand, I can say, well, you guys have not done anything as player characters to prepare for that. Therefore, your player characters are not influencing this. You're Mm -hmm. unprepared for it. But it's a big world. It's a big world that exists apart from you. We just did an episode about keeping NPCs on task, Mm -hmm. even when the player characters aren't involved. And they're still going to be on task. And it's not like the army's waiting on you guys (laughs) with bated breath to set the example. Yeah. But what I can also look at at the same time is I can give you a return on your investment in those Mm B-plots. You think the fact that a kid who has control of a 100-foot snake has a major crush on one of the PCs could not work to your advantage or disadvantage, depending Mm -hmm. on how he feels at the moment, couldn't come up again in the plot? Mm -hmm. The fact that you made a social connection with the muffin lady means the, she could one hide. of the oldest people in the town and yeah. loved and respected and hey, these boys have all this plot and guns that you should no, take i'm not use. i'm not even saying that i'm saying like let's say the town falls you think she may not be willing now to hide you guys in her basement mm-hmm. or claim mm-hmm. that you're random merchants from some other town who have nothing to do with anything because you guys have invested in that i mean i mm-hmm. can take these b plots yeah. And yes, they can be consequential, but that can work either way. They can be consequential in the typical sense that we use the word consequence, which is a negative consequence. And I could say, well, you know what? You guys didn't get the money or the weaponry or the plot info out of the Jiffy Lube, and therefore you're not prepared for certain things. But on the flip side, what you did invest in has to figure in somewhere. Mm. I mean, I can still give you a return on that to say, well, what you did invest in is you developed a relationship with the guy that owns the dockside general store. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. you spent time investing in the personal life and the social currency of the muffin lady. And you spent time developing a relationship with a kid and his genetic engineer grandfather and a hundred foot genetically engineered snake. And these things can all come back around in one way or another. So I I think as a game master, it would be pretty sloppy of me to say only certain things can matter. Right. Right. I mean, it's one of the things that I, and and it's really, it's not 
100% in your control of sure. what matters as the game master. I mean, it sounds it, but if all the party, so, I mean, like, you've got this big plot, you've got these factions going on, and all the party individually starts just really caring about the people of Cape, like you have this battle plan and a thing's going to happen, and then they move on and go off, and then the party's like, well, I can't leave my wife. Another person's like, well, I can't leave my kid. And another person is like, hey, Peyton and the old man, they aren't coming, and if we leave them, they're going to die. And then we're like, you know what? That muffin lady, I mean, she was nice, but these are good people here. We just can't leave. Well, suddenly, I want to say story, your planning gets mm-hmm. turned around by a lot of these B-plots where, okay, the trajectory's changed. We're not leaving. Time to make good story here as well. And as much as the B-plots require good character, good development, realistic characters on both the NPCs and the PCs, that stopping the train, saying, okay, well, we're going to do this instead of that because that's what you guys want to, also requires a very detailed, well-thought-out, world and story and situation because in a not very well developed world story and situation when the story goes off away from the city there's nothing left in the city yeah you know the code is ended the script is done there's no voice acting lines they're nameless faceless npcs what do you do yeah i mean in even the most open world games let's go with the bethesda games fallout skyrim whatever there's an edge to the map yeah beyond which there is nothing I mean, there might be a view of some mountains or something, but there is nothing. Here be dragons. Yeah. And if you console hack it and let yourself walk through there, you find nothing but half-developed terrain and nothing else. I mean, maybe some debugging NPCs (laughs) that they put out there, but... Even in the most largest world, open world of Minecraft, there is an eventually an edge, even though it seems ridiculously large. Yeah. You can even have the largest, largest, largest map. There is an edge. Well, and it so, also it breaks down the closer you get to the edge. You get into what they call, was it the Oddlands or the yeah. Odd World or yeah. something like that, where the algorithm that builds the game world starts to degrade. Mm-hmm. And they get these MC Escher weird. Yeah. It's so like yeah. instead of a mountain, there's just like a swirl. In the, right. Yeah. There's like a upside down tree in the sky and yep. three blocks of mountain with lava pouring out of it in the middle of a desert. And, Yep. It just, it is nothing makes sense anymore. Much like real life. Yes, yes, <laughs> exactly. If you wander too far toward either of the coasts, nothing makes sense <laughs> <Flatter>. anymore. <laughs> uh, you went a different direction than I was thinking. <laughs> is, is it just me or is the muffin lady that moniker? It's like to me, this whole time, you guys have been having this very intellectual conversation. To me, I've been. Playing this sort of incestuous Hansel and Gretel boogie woman <laughs> pornography thing in my what? head no, that, that the muffin woman she's gonna come get you. That's <laughs> all in your disease. <laughs> okay, that's all you. I'm going to tell you uh, by Game Master Fiat, the muffin lady is not going to turn out to be I, the grand villain. I, I'm just, I'm just telling you that that's that, that's not think, chocolate on Hansel's face. I don't think face. he wanted to be the grand villain. I think he wants to, do, you know, to have you know some BDSM basement uh, or something okay, going on. Yeah. The muffin lady, she's going to come get you. Daniel. She's also not going to tie you up in her basement and tempt you with apples. Mm, she's um, just wearing her. Apron. I, I was the, going for the sign of like she should be on Cherry Lane, but you know that was a simpler play. <laughs> she got two sides of the coin the here. Opening, the opening is just her and her apron. All she's wearing is her apron in her combat boot and she's just <laughs> stepping on a young cherry and it just bursts under her 
fucking hobnail boot. She's coming for you, Caleb. The muffin lady. <laughs> I'll stay on my side of the coin here. Where I'm just looking at thinking about the name of the street. <laughs> what game are you playing? <laughs> but the but no, I think that the, the the takeaway from this is that B plots humanize the people involved with the A plot. Yes. And that if you and you see it in movies and other types of entertainment that the A plot is the focus and it's disinteresting because the people participating in the A plot aren't humanized and they don't get B plot. I need yeah. B plot. You do need B plot. Yeah. yeah, I don't think you're wrong because even yeah. thinking back to like the Star Trek episodes where yeah. there's an A plot and a B plot, in the A plot you get interesting, I mean, I hate to reuse the word, but plot. It's mm-hmm. naval drama. But yeah, you, there's things that are going on, mm-hmm. but the characters don't develop the way that those in the B plot do. You don't learn as much about who they are and what makes them tick and what their interpersonal struggles are and such the way that you do with the A plot. You know, the A plot is, well, okay, you want the Enterprise to win against the Romulans. And if you care at all about Star Trek, you're invested in that. But you don't learn nearly as much about Picard as you do about Data while he's trying to whistle. And so, no, I think that's absolutely a valid point. And especially, I mean, let's go back to role-playing game. I mean, the very name, role-playing, playing a role, assuming a character. I mean, that's a huge part of the experience. And the B-plots, I, I mean, yeah, the A-plot can enable that. I'm not, I'm not going to say otherwise. But the B-plot, I think, does enable that in a unique way because you have nothing but character motivation. Right. You know, if you look at the A-plot where we're at now, this battle about to unfold between... Cape slash St. Louis and the Southern Army, there's obvious motivation. It's the motivation of conquest, control, economics, blah, blah, blah. There, I mean, maybe literal and or figurative guns to people's heads. But the choice of your character, Marlene, to visit Peyton, that was 100% self-determination. You know, the, the choice of uh, Chad and Brandon to visit the Muffin Lady, right. that was 100% self-determination. That says far more about the characters than it does about the game plot or the game world, I guess, at least to a certain extent. I think another useful, a bit minor and probably selfish tool that the B-plot enables is its free content. You have your NPCs in the situations. They're already there. They're populating the world. The NPCs might latch onto them and roleplay with them. And that's something where you can't... PCs role play with each other over something. Yeah, I know it's a running joke about people go out and buy their cat the big old cat tree habitat thing, mm-hmm. and the cat's sitting in the box. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, okay, I, I get it because you invested fifty or hundred bucks or whatever in that cat tree, and then the cat wants the box that's worth fifteen cents. But I mean, either way, it's a success. Yeah, you, you're, cat's happy. You're trying to make your cat happy, and you succeeded. I mean, I, I get where the investment is. There's this comic that I mentioned in a previous episode, and I, I couldn't track it down, which I don't think I did. There was this one-panel comic of... It shows this table where I guess they're playing D&D, because there's minis, and it's all fantasy and whatever. And there's a sign that says plot. You see this... <laughs> evil wizard and dragon and all this craziness over on one side of the table. And then you see the minis for the player characters on the other side of the table gathered around this like random NPC and the sign behind him even says like random shopkeeper. And there's these heart bubbles coming out of their heads and 
then you see the actual game master sitting behind the table with his head buried in his hands, gritting in mm-hmm. his teeth and all this stuff. And it's like, why I, is he unhappy? He's very successful. Yeah, exactly. Master. It's like, dude, I don't get what your problem is. You've all succeeded. Of your, all of your players are engaged. And you've, all you've, happy. you've create. I mean, I get it wasn't what you wanted. But you created world that entertained See, the hell out of the people no. at the table. See, that's that's the difference. In our games, it's a marketplace of ideas. So they latch onto the shopkeeper. Well, if they're completely ignoring the main big bad guy, yeah. Well, then that's when you start retooling the plot. I don't necessarily mean to make the shopkeeper the main guy, but you know, it's just an, it's just an example. But you start retooling the plot to what the players are interested in. It's the socialist bread line that <laughs> you must stop with so, the shopkeeper. So, it is the okay. Let me plot. let me let me speak out of let me the bad guy. Let me speak out of both sides of my mouth. So when that was going around some time ago, right? Yeah. I mean, shortly after I took over my Facebook page, when that meme was going around. No, you always. That was yeah, always you. Yeah. One of my <laughs> one of my buddies tagged me in that, and he called it the birth of Gillet. And Gillet was this goblin alchemist NPC in a D&D game that I ran who was just a throwaway NPC that became an important part of the campaign. Now, I was pissed because I had all of this rich plot and things that I had invested my ego in and time in, and I wanted that to be the focus of the thing. But as a game master, I did the right thing, even though I was pissed about it mm-hmm. and chat my ass <laughs> is that I set all of that hard work aside and embraced that Gillet was now a thing in the world and then further developed him as an NPC so that the players can interact with him and he became an important mm-hmm. part of their sort of core group but peripherally because he was not a player character but it f***ing sucks it sucks to spend all of this time and effort into a thing and for that work to not be rewarded. Just as if I had gone to, if, if Marlene had gone to see Peyton and I knock on the door and they're not home. Well, f*** you, man. Why did I even bother to go to their goddamn house if they weren't going to f***ing be there? You know, it's it, it sucks. And that's why I've become pro-railroad. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm ready to get in the train car. You take me where this f***ing game is going. You did all this goddamn work. I might stop and get off, you know, so, once in a while at uh, at, yeah, at, at a town. And yeah, I will. <laughs> so let get me, a drink. But I, you know what? Which way is the train? I'm, I'm going to get on the train. It's cool. So let me tell you a real life story that I can tell because my brother-in-law listens to this show, but my sister doesn't. <laughs> so, Adam, if this is you, turn this off. But when I first moved into this place... I was trying to assemble a bunch of furniture. I had a ton of furniture that had come in from Ikea and various other places. And I needed some help put together. So Adam came over with my two nephews, Eli and Oliver, okay, who at the time were like, I don't know, like 11 and 7 or something like that. I'm, I'm ballparking here, but, you know, not these aren't high school age kids. Okay, these are young kids. And they helped us for a little bit. They did help us put together some furniture. And then for a good chunk of the night, while we were up here on the upper floor, Adam and I were assembling the furniture while Oliver and Eli had taken one of the really big boxes. I mean, like one of those like 
four foot by six foot boxes that I don't know, bookshelf or something came in and it turned it into a sled and we're sledding down my stairs. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And Adam and I both looked at that and we're like, meh. <laughs> They're having fun. Yeah. You know, it's right. and I, I told Adam, I said, hey, as long as you accept this wasn't my idea and you're not going to hold me responsible if this ends in an ER trip, <laughs> I'm not going to stop this. So there was no part of you that was like, God damn it, stop it, get in here and build f***ing furniture? No. Eh, well, really. you're a better man than I am. <laughs> and, you know, I, I think as the game master, man, I, I mean, there's there's two parts to the railroad. We always talk about sort of the hurting aspect, which is, you know, there's this railroad and you're trying to, whip your characters into getting back on that railroad or to not to deviate from it. But good God, you as the game master have already made a mistake. If you lay a hundred miles of track, when in truth, you only can see about five or 10 miles into the distance. And, and you're right. And that is why I did the right thing. Right. But it still irked me. I can, I can, I can have two thoughts. Well, yeah, part, yeah. Part of it's that whole idea that you, you created way too far ahead. You're yeah. laying down track. No, 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 no. Well, I never made that f-ing mistake again. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Josh, f- you guys, I just don't prepare. Just, exactly. Yeah, I just sit down at the oh. table. And I'm like, I put my Chad mask on. You only prepare on, so yeah. far as having yeah. enough liquor, weed, and guns. Yeah. <laughs> right. But on the other, but on the other side, you even, I chapped you la- the other week where you were having the problem with a player spending so much time in the B plot of collecting other uh, characters mm-hmm. and it screwed with your fun. Yeah. So everyone should well, be getting something out of the game altogether, not the, just the players. The GM should get too something. much on saving the children. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And the problem that I had with it is not saving See, the children. I'm like Chad, I listen to the episodes. <laughs> I'm on the episodes. <laughs> So my problem with the player, though, is not she creates a B-plot and adopts, right. you know, wayward NPCs. It's that she adopts every oh, I, wayward there, there NPC. There is no A-plot. Every right. but, game. And it and doesn't just become my, the A-plot. It starts to even detract B-plot time from agreed. the yes. other players. There's extremes to every. Sure. My, my yeah. point behind that, though, is that it mm-hmm. takes away from the fun of the other players. Yeah. That's the whole per- reason it chaps you. It's a reason to chap to you is you were looking for a fun of yes, because cool I'm a goddamn plot. participant too. <laughs> I'm not here to facilitate entirely your fun. I get to have fun too. Exactly. You <laughs> I used to think that as a game master, I used to be that sort of self-sacrificing. Oh, the fun of the others is more. That no, nah, I'm done. I'm yeah. done with that. My fun is equal. You know what? My fun's more important than theirs. <laughs> Those people. <laughs> Uh, so that's that but you get my point though that that it should be a balance of things so you can't Mm -hmm. be like yes it's okay but that that comic was obviously putting the the far end of the spectrum like there's that's the that's the comic of it that's Mm -hmm. comedy bringing things all the way to the edge and seeing where you go with it but yeah there is a balance it's always about a balance figuring out how much B plot to allow and as, right. as opposed to the A plot and how much, how much do you, pl- do you give and take? Right. And then in being able to do the dance and saying, okay, so now this f- 
Gillet, the stupidest name I've ever come up with. Goblin Alchemist. What, you is... think Muffin Lady? <laughs> oh, I no, wasn't up muffin, all night on that one. <laughs> so, but, but, but Gillet is now a thing, so now my challenge, if I'm going to be a good game master and a good facilitator yeah. of the game for my players, is how do I take all of the hard work that I did and bring it back into the game and not mm-hmm. to sound too brown-nosy, but I think that's something that Dan does really well in Skies of Glass is that, yes, we have the opportunity to explore and grow, but then there are always seeds of the A plot that are there for mm-hmm. us to latch on to. And that's the thing that I had to do with this game. Right. Yeah. And one, I think that's a fair point. This may be the point we wrap up on is the B plots do not have to be wholly extricated from the A plot. You know, for example, when you guys went to talk to the Muffin Lady or went to talk to Peyton and Dr. Martin, they were not unaware of the fact that the city is under siege. You know, they were not completely detached from the reality that's unfolding around them. Now, they well, I guess in the case of the Muffin Lady, she did have a very clear cut perspective on it. She thought it through and she had an answer for what she thought of it all. Peyton and Dr. Martin were a little less sure because they weren't. I mean, they weren't used to thinking about those kinds of problems and felt their options were limited. But the Muffin Lady already thought through her options and already figured out what it was she wanted to do and why, which I'll leave for anyone who wants to listen to the AP. But the point being, though, that the B-plots can be fully cellular. I mean, they can be totally. It's just we're having some RP where you go talk to your dysfunctional family and it has nothing to do with the city under siege, but it doesn't have to be that way. I mean, the B plot can both on, I mean, we already talked about how on the back end it can figure into the A plot. I mean, once again, in the A plot, if the city falls, the fact that you have people with resources who might be willing to hide you, I mean, that's going to be a big deal. All right. So be sure to check the show notes for a link to fear the con Whatever the heck it's called. Fear the Con Line. Fear the Con Line. Okay. So be sure to check the show notes for a link to that. Online. And if it's not this week, then it will be in next week's show notes. I'll just make that call based on whenever we actually release this episode. And other than that, you guys have a great week and great games, and we will catch you next time. Yeah. Yeah. This has been a production of Fear the Boot, copyright 2019. Listeners are free to use this episode in a non-commercial endeavor, so long as credit is provided to feartheboot.com. You can find previous episodes and other resources at feartheboot.com. If you wish to support this show and its related endeavors, you can do so at patreon.com slash feartheboot.